is Free Talk Live, where you're invited to take control of the airwaves, talk about whatever is on your mind. 603-283-6160. That's the call in line if you'd like to do that. Again, that number is 603-283-6160. With you tonight, it's Aria. It's Bonnie. And Lori. And lots of weird news uh, coming out today. Evidently, uh, climate change is making people less sexually active, as as I understand from the article. It's very weird. The, the concern they're giving, as far as I can tell, is that they're worried about condoms polluting the ocean oh i was thinking it was people who didn't want to accidentally have babies and then the world was going to end because people often say that's why they don't want to have babies i mean there is also that i mean that Um, that's also cited in the article and to an extent i understand that i don't want to have kids either but it's not because of climate change it's just because i can be more productive if i don't have children and i feel like that's a better use for my time than raising children right but, you know, a lot of people want the kids. Coming up also, Japan has developed a new anti-aging vaccine, which wow. I'm curious to hear about because I have this kind of issue with aging. I don't like the idea of it. One of the issues that I always had with continuing to smoke was that through most of my life, you know, you, you realize as a smoker that you're going to die of smoking, but you just sort of had this expectation that one day it's just going to kill you. But it's not. It's just this slow, gradual, awful descent from being not from having to take the elevator because you can't take stairs and not being able to go on long walks. And then finally, it kills you. And to me, that's what aging really is. It's just a slower version of that, where your body just becomes more, less and less useful and more and more in pain. And then finally, it's over. Mm-hmm. The so, show is starting off on a very positive note. <laughs> <laughs> well, there is good news, though. I mean, what they, the good news is that, you know, they have this anti-aging vaccine, right? So now we can keep people from aging. So all the more reason not to have kids, I guess. I could just live forever, presumably. And look young forever. That's not, that's, that's not a downside, <laughs> in my opinion. Mark wanted to freeze his brain, right? So it can be put into a young person's body or whatever. <laughs> that sounds like Mark. <laughs> I mean, if ever there was someone who was going to, I mean, they, they've been talking about this sort of technology for years, right? Of being able to take your brain and put in like an Android or something like that. Mark would be the first in line, I feel like, to get that technology tested on him. DARPA I, is, I do that. Yeah, You would? <laughs> oh, DARPA yeah. is working on that and they want to have it ready by 2045 and it's really scary to me. I would never. I want to just die. I'll let Mark do it first. But yeah. then I'll do it too. <laughs> I wouldn't want to live forever. To me, that sounds horrifying. Terrifying, yeah. If I mean, your body few, never degrades, it sounds fantastic. I would get so bored. I mean, a few hundred years, sure. Uh, 500 years is probably the maximum I think I would ever want to stay alive. I don't think I'd get bored. There's so many books, there's so much art, there's so much to do, so much to see. There's a whole world. Yeah. But in 500 years, you're probably going to read most of those books, I would imagine. But in other news, the highest ever daily COVID cases have been reported in the United Kingdom as Omicron cases soar by 90%. The Johnson & Johnson vaccine appears to be useless against it, but that's okay because people are suggesting that the Omicron variant is basically just the flu, which I find humorous because we've been saying all along that COVID-19 really 
is just the flu. The, the death numbers are comparable to the flu, of course. The symptoms comparable to the flu. The only distinction is that COVID-19 seems to kill people in a way that the flu doesn't, right? It causes the body to attack itself or some immune response to go out of control. I don't know. I'm not a doctor. But it doesn't kill people in the same way that the flu kills people, but in relatively the same numbers. And it's a little bit more selective in how it kills people than the flu is. Like, what does that mean? Well, the flu, it kills primarily older people, just like COVID-19 does. But the flu, as far as I know, it doesn't really go after the obese and the diabetics in the way that COVID-19 does. I don't know. I think if you have any comorbidities, it's going to raise your chances of dying from anything. That's probably true. A total of 78,000 infections were reported. And again, there was a switch like a year ago from talking about COVID deaths to talking about COVID cases and now COVID infections. It's just very curious how all of this has changed. Well, it does seem like it must be weaker than like Delta because, um, well, that woman that called about two days ago from Alabama, she was saying how so many people died in Mobile, Alabama from the Delta variant, but nobody is dying of Omicron. I mean, that's just one city, but... I mean, surely some people are dying from it, right? Yeah. Well, less people, I guess is what I meant. I don't know what strain of COVID-19 I had back in, I think, late March after the FBI raid on the studios and on my house. I had some kind of strain because I couldn't smell or taste for like seven weeks afterward. So there was no doubt it was COVID, but I don't know if it was the original covid or covid part two or covid part three and i don't really care because i got over it just fine it didn't kill me it was annoying for a long period of time but as far as the actual being sick goes that list lasted about a day and that wasn't even that bad it was just being very tired and very sore which wasn't terribly unusual anyway for someone who just got raided by the fbi two weeks prior on their only day off for the first time in about three months. So being tired and sore in those circumstances, kind of understandable anyway. But Britain's Omicron wave may be no worse than a flu pandemic, says an expert. As the first major study into the new variant suggests it is less severe than Delta. Maybe people are just less stressed out about it because I've heard that stress levels have been causing all kinds of issues more than they ever have during the whole pandemic. And, uh... Like a dentist would tell you that they get more problems with people grinding their teeth. Because of stress? That's what um, one of our friends, I wouldn't dentist, be, told them. I wouldn't at all be surprised. Uh, from what I can tell, people just have tuned out COVID-19 because this has been the news for the last, you know, 19, 18, 20 months, however long it's been. It's just COVID-19, COVID-19, and eventually people just tune that out. And we know that here on radio, Right. That's why we rotate commercials and things like that. If someone hears the same commercial every night of the show for, you know, a year straight, that commercial comes on. They just immediately tune it out. I would always turn off the Dynavite's Cats commercial because they would always say something about their cat having dandruff and I just couldn't hear that anymore. <laughs> I'd just turn it off and I would tell the, yell at the radio like, you should just throw away the cat. It's kind of how pathogens work, though. Like, you remember back in the day playing Pandemic? That's just how they work. They have to, um, you know. I never played Pandemic. Is oh, that... it was like an online game where you try to kill the world okay. with a pandemic. Scary. So, yeah, you can pick like a virus or a bacteria or whatever. And depending on what symptoms you choose and how long it hides out and stuff like that. So if it wants to propagate itself, it has to be easily spread, but also not kill its host so fast that 
right. it can't mm-hmm. pass it on or kill too many people and it can't survive. So that's kind of how they evolve into something that's just annoying at some point, like a cold, you know. Which is what you would expect the COVID-19 virus to do, in fact. Right. So they get less and less deadly or more and more deadly? Less and less deadly. Okay, that's good. Yeah. The study in Africa found the risk of hospitalization is 29% lower compared with the Wuhan strain. I guess that's the OG COVID-19. And 23% lower than Delta with vaccines holding up well, evidently. Although I have a different story that suggests that isn't the case. Evidently, though, far fewer people also needed intensive care from Omicron, with just 5% of cases admitted to ICU compared to 22% of Delta patients. I'm still surprised. It, there's no way it's that high. I mean, it sounds high. But realistically, what's going on here is that people who have mild COVID-19, they, they're probably not even getting tested for it because they know, you know, I don't feel bad enough to go get tested and go to the hospital. So I'm not going to even be part of these statistics that get tracked. Professor Robert Dingwall, that's the most British name I've heard in a while, <laughs> a former government COVID advisor, said it was clear from the South African data that panic was unjustified. I wish he was still a government advisor there in the United Kingdom. Speaking in a personal capacity, he said, the Omicron situation seems to be increasingly absurd. There is obviously a lot of snobbery about South African science and medicine, but their top people are as good as any you would find in a more developed country. So again, I wish this guy was still advising the United Kingdom government, but it's good to hear at least a former public official saying this is absurd. There's more coming up. It's Free Talk Live. It's Free Talk Live, where you're invited to take control of the airwaves, talk about whatever is on your mind. 603-283-6160 if you'd like to weigh in. That's 603-283-6160. And hopefully at some point, our friend and co-host, nobody is going to be able to get back on the show with us. We, we don't know if that's going to happen. We don't even know if that's in the works. Well, I don't know if that's in the works. It may or may not be. But that's what we're hoping for because he's always been an entertaining character with all, always has something interesting to say. At the moment, he's not allowed to make any public statements at all. Not, not on social media, not to radio. He can't even call in radio stations. So even if we could speak with him, he couldn't call into our show or any other local, well, we're not a local show, but there are local stations here in New Hampshire. He's not even allowed to call those to speak his mind. So. Bonnie has been going through some of the old shows that we did with him and some of his old videos, collecting some of the things he has to say. And one of those is the more regulated things become, excuse me, the more regulated things get, the more government can steal from you and hand out to their corrupt cronies. And that's exactly what we're seeing today with this COVID-19 nonsense. It is the biggest boon to the pharmaceutical industry, to big pharma that we have ever seen in world history I would speculate there's probably been nothing like this where so much money was stolen and filtered away to three massive pharmaceutical companies, Pfizer, Johnson & Johnson, and Moderna. They are making record profits and something like 50% of their profits at this point are from the vaccine. Oh my God. And a lot of people out there don't get that though, but the vaccine's free. No, it's (laughs) not. The government's taxing you and inflating the currency, and they're paying that money to Pfizer and Moderna and Johnson and Johnson. 
those three companies, what do you, what, what do you think they are? Charities? They're right. not giving this stuff away. They're selling it. And it's the governments who are paying the bill. And just billions upon billions of dollars being filtered away to big pharma. And you know, I just can't help but think about how in 2017, 2016, if you went online and searched for big pharma scandals or Johnson & Johnson scandals, they were everywhere about how corrupt the FDA was, how it was rushing these drugs out and those drugs out and how this drug was being recalled. But come 2020, suddenly everyone trusts big pharma, except the libertarians <laughs> who are the only ones sitting there going, wait a minute, no, that's still big pharma. And actually, this is all the fewer reasons we should trust them. Is because they're working hand in hand with government here. Libertarians seem to be the only actual anti-fascists. It does seem to be the case, but we have Mark, uh, Mark Edge, who hasn't been on the show proper in quite a while. Mark, are you with us? I don't hear you, Mark. I should hear you, but I don't. So we're going to come back to Mark at the next segment. Probably just get him to call in or something like that. Everything should be working, but it isn't. So. That's how things go sometimes. We didn't actually get a chance to test that out. So anyway, we were talking about the Omicron variant here and Professor Robert Dingwall, they clearly, he's talking about these South African scientists and doctors who have looked in, have done studies on the Omicron variant and decided that, you know, this doesn't seem to be that big a deal. He says, they clearly don't feel that the elite panic over here is justified even allowing for the democratic demographic differences in vulnerability, which are probably more than canceled by the higher vaccination rate. My gut feeling is that Omicron is very much like the sort of flu pandemic we planned for and that we got. A lot of sickness absence from work in a short period, which will create difficulties for public services and economic activity, but not such a severity as to be a big problem for the NHS and the funeral business. Well, Mark has called in via landline. Mark, are you with us? I am here. Hey, what's on your mind tonight? Yeah, so um, one thing I wanted to say about, uh, you mentioned Rich Paul and his inability to call in to Free Talk Live. That's kind of happening to me, too, because Ian has uh, provisions where he's unable to communicate with me or direct someone to communicate with me, which makes um, doing business at Free Talk Live very interesting. But um, I just wanted to say is that there's a lot of people out there that still hold out a little lantern of hope for America because of the judicial system. But the judge in this circumstance of Rich and Ian and all these people approved what are likely – yep, um, you, you probably have some provisions too that I'm not entirely sure of um, – that uh, they have these provisions that very likely – are completely unconstitutional. I mean, in a world where there's a freedom of speech, they released Rich Paul, who was doing um, interviews and that sort of thing. From and, jail. From jail. And told him, you can get out, but you're not allowed to talk to anybody. Now, um, that just sounds like a violation of the First Amendment to me. Um, now, I'm a layman, and it hasn't been uh, litigated. I'd be very curious about it, but, um, you know, don't expect a judge to just, um, you know, blow the whistle and say, unconstitutional, play on the field. Like, they don't do that. I don't, do people really believe that job. they do that? 
Well, they yes. do that if you're... 100%. Well, the, the judge doesn't... I, I can't comment on the bail conditions of my co-defendants too, too much, but the judge doesn't go out of his way to look for things that are unconstitutional. But if an attorney points out to him by filing something that says, hey, this is unconstitutional, the judge will listen to that and then make a decision about whether or not, in the judge's opinion, what is happening is or isn't constitutional. In in the case of Rich, Um, I I think that filing something would be superfluous and not really worth doing because it was – there's no higher judge to go to. This wasn't the magistrate's decision, right? The way this federal system works is generally the magistrate makes a decision. If you don't like it, you appeal it, and then the judge actually steps in to deal with it. But in in the case of Rich Paul and his bail conditions, it was actually the judge himself who set those, and it would be the judge himself to whom it was appealed. That said, if nothing else, Rich's uh, most recent bail hearing where he was determined to be unconstitutionally held – the judge proved that he is open-minded and willing to reconsider his previous positions. So it's not hopeless um, by any means. Oh, I'm not claiming it's hopeless or not hopeless. I just want people to have a very realistic view on what we're talking about here, which is we're talking about, um, you know, uh, we're, we're talking about a situation where you're in it on your own, the judicial system will let unconstitutional things happen to you as often as you allow it to happen. Um, that's that. I mean, like, there's only one protector of the Bill of Rights as it applies for you, and that's you. Not a judge, not a lawyer, nobody else. It's you. Yeah, but that's where things get a little bit tricky. Because if the judge or the governments decide that, you know, your interpretation of the Constitution isn't valid, you don't really have a way to do anything about that except to well, appeal it to a judge secession. there is always secession yes and that's what we're working on here in new hampshire uh, and um, mark mark wants to stick with I, us for a I minute i want to talk about that I, I know you do mark so I, stick with us we're going to have to figure out what's going on with the other thing though because your your cell phone quality keeps going in and out so uh hop back over onto that room and we'll get it sorted There's more coming up here. Mark, of course, wants to tell us how awful and pointless the Free State Project is. And for some crazy reason, we're going to let him do that. 603-283-6160. There's more coming up. It's Free Talk Live. Do you feel like your country no longer holds your values? Have you dreamt of a place where liberty-minded people can come together and leave government overreach behind? There are many people just like you that are discovering FreePrivateCities.com. They start at FreePrivateCities.com and connect via the social media links shown there. All skills will be needed when the first of the Free Private Cities open. It's sooner than you think. Stop arguing and build FreePrivateCities.com. FreePrivateCities.com. It is Free Talk Live, where you're invited to take control of the airwaves, talk about whatever is important to you. 603-283-6160 if you'd like to do that. Again, that's 603-283-6160. And again, I just have to say I'm disappointed with the constant stream of YouTube chat that we have going on over here. People, you should not be watching us on YouTube. We're going to get the axe there any day now 
very likely for this very episode, if not for the episode we did Sunday or Monday or Tuesday, we never know. Uh, like a week after doing a show, Facebook, I mean, YouTube comes around and goes, oh, yep, here's your second strike. If you get a third one, we're deleting everything. So stop watching us on YouTube. You never know if we're going to be there from one day to the next. I understand why the trolls stay on YouTube, because if they go watch us on our Odyssey channel, they just get eviscerated. <laughs> because these trolls, like Mark here, about to criticize the Free State Project, they only ever talk about that one specific thing. And that's pretty much just how much they hate the show. But if we do get taken off of YouTube, then the trolls will migrate to Odyssey and complain about it. Yes, but they'll at least run into counter trolls there. Yeah. And our Odyssey channel, it's always there. You don't have to worry about, worry about us being there from one day to the next. It's always there. We're always streaming every night of the week. So that's video.freetalklive.com if you'd like to check that out. That's where we're always going to be, even after YouTube finally gives us the X. But we do have Mark, who is joining the show again. Hasn't been on here, you know, hasn't been here in the studio since at least May. If I recall correctly, Mark, welcome back, so to speak. Yeah, whenever Ian got out, um, you know, I was gone. Um, couldn't talk to him. Um, yeah, and yeah. that does make doing a show difficult when it's broadcast from here at Ian's house. And for whatever reason, you're not allowed to have contact with him. And Ian is, like, not able to leave the house that the show yeah. is right. in. He would have to get uh, dispensation from his uh, probation officer to go out for an ice cream cone for four hours <laughs> so that I could come to his house and do a show there. Uh, we're working on creating other studios, but you know those things do take time, and we got to do them in the right place and all that good stuff. So um, I, what I thought I'd do tonight is call in and talk about what the Free State Project is good for. Because I have called in over and over again and uh, critiqued the Free State Project, and I don't want it to seem like I am saying that the Free State Project or the great New Hampshire freedom migration or whatever terminology we want to use is all bad. It is not all bad. Um, is it so, true you've been trolling the Free State Project on Instagram? Yeah, I'll hit him on Insta. Insta, absolutely. <laughs> Here's the problem. That's high quality one. activism there. Well, I got nothing better to do. Okay. I mean, you know, fair you know, point. You're, you can't do radio, so the problem is um, with these uh, with with many free staters is is that um, they're the man with the hammer, the proverbial hammer. So everything looks like a nail, and I posit and 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 suggest that no, in fact, every person you meet should not move to New Hampshire, <laughs> right? Well, obviously, right? A lot of oh, excellent. A we lot are of the, on the same page. Yeah. Well, a lot we of the believe the same things. Well, the Free State Project's goal was to move liberty lovers to New Hampshire, not every random person you meet on the sidewalk. Perfect. So, um, what percentage of the population would you define as liberty lovers? Are we talking about the twenty percent that say, "Yeah, I'm libertarian," and oh, they goodness, show up no. on no, no, it's more like one to three percent. I would speculate. Excellent. So now we have you have just paired out 97 percent. And when I see the marketing from the Free State Project, this looks very much like take your castor oil. It's good for you. Like it's for everybody. It's advice for everybody. And it's totally not that. And I've never I'm seen anything from the Free State Project that that suggests they're trying to get everyone to move to New Hampshire. It seems to me to be limited almost exclusively to liberty lovers. 
Yep, they crow about the successes and they suggest um, that basically everybody get there. Doesn't no, because those you... same successes look like terrifying, horrible things to like a hardcore progressive. Oh, I- I'm with you on that. So we've slid 97% of people off the table. Is that right or not? Yeah, so still I, I'll that. agree with that. Excellent. Now let's talk about that 3%. I, I would speculate that the number is probably higher in New Hampshire because I don't necessarily mind the social conservatives who just actually want to be left alone by the federal government. You know, and that there's a lot of that in New Hampshire. So yeah, there is a lot of that. So, so you you bumping the number up to 10 or 20% of people in America, is that right? No, uh probably 10 to 20, probably that percentage of the population of people already in New Hampshire would fall under the category of libertarian. Okay. So, fine. We have uh, defined the Free State Project as the freest state in the Union, marginally. Um, That's not to say the freest territory, because um, to make that claim would require some evidence. And at this point, there is none other than me saying uh, that the U.S. Marianas is far freer than uh, New Hampshire. And um, so we're just talking about the 50 states here and presumably the people in them. Of course, the Free State Project will absolutely say to a Frenchman who's a libertarian, sure, come on, do whatever it takes. We'll help you a little bit and stuff. And they'll get them to come and and those kind of things. So do you have a problem with Frenchmen? I don't have any problems with anything. I have a problem with crappy, terrible advertising, and that's what the Free State Project does over and over. It should be targeted to people who it's a good choice for. And what I'm trying to do is bring it down to that. I'm trying to say who it's good for. Because I'll say this. If you're a libertarian in Florida who doesn't want to run for office and just wants to enjoy freedom, don't move to New Hampshire. You're not going to get any. Um, it's New Hampshire isn't markedly freer than Florida or Idaho or Indiana or any of these places and property taxes. Well, that's not true. The, I mean, the, the the study of the 50 states and economic and societal freedom does show New Hampshire consistently ranking number one or number two. It does go back and forth with Florida a little bit. So I'll give you that it's it's not necessarily freer than Florida. But the other 48 states aren't they're generally not even close. And they're not Florida's not going up and up like New Hampshire is going up and up in freedom. New Hampshire went down against Florida and all of the United States is going down. And last I checked, New Hampshire's in it. So, um, you know, like what they're not doing is checking New Hampshire against the places that are moving up against um, in the world as far as these states. So, you know, what we're doing is walking into the cancer ward and saying, hmm, this place look this one looks like the best cancer patient here. Um, It's not good news. I mean, I don't disagree. But whenever when all you have are cancer patients at a certain point, you do have to pick the one that looks like they're not falling apart and go, that's the one we're going to try to fix. (laughs) Indeed. Do, do you um, have so, a cancer patient out there that looks more fixable than what the oh, Free State Project has presented? I will absolutely say that uh, simply moving out of the United States, um, setting up your life so you make money online, um, living in, you know, just moving around from country to country, being a perpetual traveler is by and large a freer way to live. Yes, and for so, people who bought Bitcoin in 2011, that's probably a realistic course of action for their life to take. Right now, America got rid of, I mean, like the, a lot of people in America can work remotely that couldn't two years ago. 
And if yes, they but can, the, the it, average American is living paycheck to paycheck and drowning. And I think it was something like one hundred and fifty thousand dollars in debt. Then they sell their house because that's debt. Um, they pay off their debt. And then they take that paycheck that they get regularly from working remotely, say it's uh, $4,000 a month. Which they, which, which solely, again, 50% of Americans are living paycheck to paycheck. So they can't take that paycheck and do anything with it. They need that paycheck just to get to their next paycheck. Then how are they going to move to New Hampshire? If they're living paycheck to paycheck and they've got this problem with moving, they, they can't move anyway. You get a job before you move them and you move... Well, okay. well Mark raises a good point, so stay, stay, with no, no, stay with us for one more segment, Mark, because you raise a good point. I don't necessarily want the people living paycheck to paycheck to come to New Hampshire because that shows that they're not very good with finances and that they're a bit reckless and they're just this close from falling off the precipice. There's more coming up. It's Free Talk Live, where you're invited to take control of the airwaves and talk about whatever is important to you. 603-283-6160, if you'd like to do that. Again, that number is 603-283-6160. With you tonight, it's Aria. It's Bonnie. And Lori. And I want to tell you about Bitcoin.com. It's the best place to go to learn about cryptocurrency if you're not already knowledgeable about this important world-changing technology then now's the time to learn about it because Bitcoin, as I understand it, is still on sale, which means it's down from its highest peak. I think from its highest peak, it's down almost $20,000 per coin at this point. So not a terrible time to get into it if we're if you intend to play the long game and get Bitcoin as a way to secure your stake in the future because cryptocurrency is undoubtedly the future. You can learn about it at Bitcoin.com. But if you're already already a knowledgeable crypto user, go to news.bitcoin.com to stay up to date on all of the news and headlines that are relevant to you. All on a sleek, easy-to-use website. All of that and more at bitcoin.com. We're talking with Mark here, who is fast becoming known as just the, hater. the resident Free State Project hater, I, I have to say. I don't know how this keeps happening, but let's try this on another tack. Okay. Let's talk about who the Free State Project is right for. And maybe you can help me identify other groups that it is a good choice for, because I know it's a good choice for a lot of people. So first group of people is I would say, if you are from the United States and a liberty-oriented person who wants to get elected, that the New Hampshire, that New Hampshire is a really great choice for you because you're like you know two years in you can get elected as a, as a rep and immediately you can likely get a rep uh, elected as pretty much anything because you know the vast like in new hampshire like pretty much everywhere people don't have any clue who they're voting for and oh, don't so I know they it. and um you aria ran as a uh, what a satanist trans uh, god knows what else and got on the Republican side, 20 plus percent, nearly 30 percent of the vote in the general election. Yeah, I never and, redid the math. I mean, Westmoreland reported something like 7,700 votes for Eli Rivera, which is obviously like five times the actual population of Westmoreland. 
So yeah, it was there was a zero added. It was a seven hundred. Yeah. Yeah. So if you take those out, I I never did the math to find out what the actual percentage was, but it's probably twenty six to thirty percent somewhere in that range. Yeah. If you take those seven thousand yep. non-existent votes from him. And all I'm saying is, is that you know you move from. But they knew, total- Mark. They knew there was no way any. Well, there there may have been some, but the majority of voters. Hold on, the majority of voters in Cheshire County, when they went to vote in the actual general election, there's no way the majority didn't know exactly who I was by that point. Would you agree that if you're a liberty-oriented person who wants to be elected, that New Hampshire is the place to move? Uh, yes, but also I don't want to be elected as anything, and I still think it's the best place for me to live. Well, it is because that's where your boyfriend lives. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, you know, that there's a good reason, but not not common. Let's say that, um, you know, guys in New Hampshire, please attract as many liberty oriented ladies as you can to the state, especially if they knock on your door uh, campaigning for a libertarian. Um, <laughs> the um, So the other group that I would talk about is a, anybody who's liberty oriented, period who happens to be in the Northeast. And I'm qualifying that as basically New York and then all of New England. And I want to defend that first. And I'm willing to go with Michigan, um, Minnesota, Wisconsin, those that sort of section too. Okay. Um, the weather is better in Ohio mm-hmm. and Pennsylvania and places like that. So, um, you know, you got to make your own decision. But I'll say if winter starts in December for you and the snow doesn't melt until May, you ought to take serious consideration about just picking up and moving to New Hampshire. Now, obviously, your work and your family and these sorts of things need to come into play. But why not? You believe in liberty and you clearly don't uh, care about living in a frozen hellscape. Move. Well, then you should include Utah, too. Northern okay. Utah is like that. So places that already have a, a fairly bad winter or a fairly cold winter. All right. Right. And if you like that, and people do. Sure. Um, I, don't want to dis- I don't want to discount that. All right. So who Maybe else would you include? Uh, well, I'm, I'm done. <laughs> um, well, you realize that if, if, if you that was the case, you would. If you are liberty oriented and you're anywhere in the world, you ought to consider New Hampshire, but you ought to keep your eyes wide open. You want to look at exactly what are you trying to achieve, what are your goals, and why are you moving? Because if it's just because sure, you heard but, that it was the freest state in the union, well, that's not good enough. Right. But before we get too much further into that, Mark, I feel like it's worth pointing out to you that under your criteria of people who should move here, you and I wouldn't even be having this conversation. Because um, it's not that great of a choice for you. Because I'm from you the run. deep south where they don't have winters, Mark. You have I didn't run three elections. I didn't run. Be- I didn't come to New Hampshire because I wanted to run for elections. That's, I, that's just what people do when they get here. All right. So be- I got a third category. All right. You're a pugnacious individual, and you just want to fight with statists. Googling I think, I think there's a lot of people left out of. Who could be useful here? Yeah, I don't just want to fight with status. Whoa, 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 whoa Lori. Um, yeah. Lori, I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't care who's useful to the Free State Project. That 
is utilitarian, statist, collectivist and, thinking. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, I, I don't mean just useful to the free state project. I mean useful to each other to make a freer place to live. I'm not interested in building a community. I'm interested in providing people with information about the best place where they can be um, most free and the decisions that might lead to that. Because that's a, I, I, I mean, the, I understand the where you're coming from, Mark. To be free, we, st- we individualists have to stop playing the games of these other people. Just and because that's what we're doing in New Hampshire. Mark, is I think. And we're getting on their hamster wheel and yeah. we're playing their political games. I, I think you've gone too far into individualism in that <laughs> aspect. I mean, I, I understand where you're coming from. You want to be free in your life right now. You don't want to have to fight for it. You just want to be free. That's it. That's not for everybody, though. You know, well, when, when the film crew was out here last week, they asked me essentially the same question. Why, why wouldn't you just go live on a beach in Mexico somewhere? Or why wouldn't you just go somewhere you could be free and do whatever you want all day, every day? Well, that's good for me. But that doesn't help any of my fellow human beings. And I feel so, like my role in the universe is to do what I can to make the world a better place, not just for me personally. Right. I would say that's true. And I can make the world a better place by driving the 20% of the population that can um, and will move for more freedom and a better life to a place that's better as the rats leave the ship and by the way the incredibly productive rats leaving the fat lazy useless parasitic rats there not you guys but you know <laughs> the rest of the rest of america this is the the gulch gulch thing is ayn rand said that this is what's going to occur and it is this year because of cryptocurrency and because of covid Americans have left in droves. And this is, the, as far as I can tell, the best way to, to actually be free. Now, I'm going to stand with those three groups of people ought to move to New Hampshire because I think those are, New Hampshire is really good for those three choices. Because, you know, you can go be free in a freer place, but you can't fight the man about it. You're not going to win. You go to Mexico, they do not want to hear about your political thoughts. <laughs> you know? Okay. Yes. So, so what do and you have it, as an alternative? Because I know that's where we're going with this. No, I'm not going to. I'm not here. I'm not calling in as an alternative. I, I'd love to have a conversation about Coral Beach and uh, some challenges it, it faced uh, last week, and get your guys' thoughts on it. But what I really want to, you know, what I've I want to do is clear up that I don't hate New Hampshire. What I want to do is, is I want to make sure the right people go, and that the people who it may not be perfect for at least know what their alternatives are. So then what you're saying is if New Hampshire secedes from the Union, then it will be the most perfect place to move on the planet for liberty lovers? No. Because it would be, be outside terrible, of New Hampshire, I mean, of the United States. Place to be. Mark doesn't um, think secession is going to happen. But so. if it did... New Hampshire's banking conditions will be destroyed by the United States. You won't be able to cash a paycheck. They won't be able to participate in greater society. And they'll put up armed guards on the uh, the edge of the uh, the state if you want to leave and go to Vermont. And that's why you need those other people around to have agorist businesses and childcare and doctors. Yeah, and we certainly have those here. I mean, and we also have alternative currencies where we could, in theory, just be like, well, screw their banking system anyway. We already have a lot of Bitcoin here and a lot of people using it. Just get a few more. 603-283-6160. It's Free Talk Live. Is your broken heart stopping you from being authentically happy? 
My name is Jeremy West, and for a limited time, I am running a free online class to teach you what most people don't know about how to deal with your feelings, the simple way to deal with your negative thinking, the key to breaking your unhealthy relationship patterns, and so much more. No more feeling like a failure who will never find true love. No more self-medicating and ending up feeling even more miserable. And no more feeling like you'll never be someone who deserves an amazing partner. Sound good? You'll discover a new way to finally feel validated and loved. To stop trying to get your self-worth from the very people who tear it down. And to put you in control of your own happiness. So you never surrender that control to another person again in as little as eight weeks. Register now for my free online class at beyondyourbreakup.com slash free class. That's beyondyourbreakup.com slash free class. Free Talk Live. It's Free Talk Live, where you're invited to take control of the airwaves, talk about whatever is important to you, 603-283-6160, if you'd like to do that. Again, 603-283-6160. With you tonight, it's Aria. And Bonnie. And Lori. And we just got to entertain Mark for a bit, who clarified that he doesn't hate the free state. Hold up. He doesn't hate New Hampshire. He just isn't a fan of the Free State Project was basically what I got out of the conversation. He created a very narrow uh, group of people who he felt were best to move here, where I tend to think, I mean, the cold isn't that bad here in New Hampshire. And I realize so far we've had a really light winter, but the first year I moved here, the winter was absolutely awful. In November, there was like two and a half, maybe three feet of snow already on the ground, and it just kept getting worse from there. It hit negative seven degrees night after night after night, and I was, it sucked. I was like, man, this is what the New Hampshire winter is like. All right, let's let's get through this then. But since then, there hasn't been a winter anywhere near that bad. And the rest of the year is beautiful. Yeah, and the rest of the year absolutely is beautiful, but... We also have Ian, who is joining us now. Ian, welcome to the show. Hey, I was just listening to that last call, and I heard um, that person call and say that he's not trying to build a community. And none of you guys really kind of laid into him on that one, because, I mean, look, to me, that's one of the biggest attractions here. Uh, yeah, the Free State Project movers have had tremendous political successes with dozens of uh, free staters who've been elected to the state house in the current term and previous terms, there's been plenty as well. Um, and we've seen amazing, you know, civil disobedience and outside the system activism here that's never been done in the history of the libertarian movement anywhere. I mean, there's no doubt that politically uh, and apolitically, the libertarians in New Hampshire who've moved here for the Free State Project and for this political migration have been more successful in 15 years than the Libertarian Party nationally has in the last 50. But just all of those wins aside, one of the biggest wins here is the community of liberty-minded people, which is literally thousands of of people. Um, There were images posted of the uh, Taproom Tuesday event, which is a weekly just kind of social hangout uh, that happens in Manchester, which is the quote-unquote big city of 120,000 people. And in that uh, city, 
they're regularly getting more than 50 attendees. They said there were 70 people that were attending that particular event. And, you know, where That's I come impressive. from, yeah, where I come from, which is a, you know, a similarly sized city to Manchester down in Florida, we were lucky if we had five to 10 people at our libertarian meetups. The time we would ever have more than that would be would be like a presidential election election night. Then then we might get twenty to thirty, uh, and so they're just regularly cranking out like these huge numbers of people for these social events. Um, you know, it's it's an unprecedented community. They've been doing a, a new show called Free State Live on Monday nights, and just kind of interviewing different different activists like Mark Warden, uh, the Porcupine real estate agents, and uh, other people doing different sorts of things. And, and uh, they've been really just pointing out some of the incredible community aspects. And, and one of those things, of course, is the, the move-in parties where uh, people who are moving here, you just let the Free State Project know when you're going to be here, when your moving truck's going to show up and where. And all of a sudden, you know, a dozen, maybe more people, maybe two dozen, who knows, uh, will show up to your house and unload that moving truck within 50 minutes. And then you sit down, you, you know, you order some pizzas and bring some beers and share them with your new friends that you, you get to know right there in your living room. I mean, that's that's a level of support that just doesn't exist anywhere else. I mean, you're and absolutely the, right. Uh, I'm, I'm thinking about the Libertarian Party County affiliate that I helped form when I lived in Mississippi. And despite having a lengthy list of people, something like 40 or 50 registered libertarians nationally in that one county alone we were able to get a total of three people one of whom was me at any of our libertarian meetings and there was even despite the fact that all three of us were libertarians there was no real sense of community like if my car broke down on the way home none none neither of those would have been the person i went to to be like hey man i've got a problem can you help me out can you get me a ride home or whatever but here in New Hampshire, yeah, if my car broke down on the way home tonight, which obviously it's not going to, but if it did, there are plenty of libertarians who would be there by my side within 15 minutes. So my thing yeah, is... And that's he, not speculation. That's the, that's the truth. It's yes. it happened. Yeah, that would happen, for sure. Sorry, Lori, go, go ahead. That's okay. He was saying um, that it's utilitarian, my argument there. But I don't think so. I think that uh, the whole point of a community is having people around you that all care for the same purpose and are working towards the same goals and having people that are there that share your views to educate your children, to sell you your groceries, to grow the food that those grocers are selling, to, uh, you know, run all of the all the different things in town. Everyone has a purpose. And if all the people together that move here have the same purpose, then you can create a society and a community that is basically utopia. What about you, Bonnie? Well, I mean, it's not—it's never going to be utopia because there's always going to be there's always going to be issues and challenges. But if you've well, got a good community, you can you can overcome that stuff. So, I mean, that's obviously not important to Mark. And I mean, let's be clear: what's important to him is not what's important to a lot of the people that moved here. And the fact is, the only reason Mark ever moved to New Hampshire is because I moved Free Talk Live there, and he never would have come here if it weren't for him being on the radio, and he wanted to continue being on the radio. So. He never would have uh, moved here because to him, staying warm and staying with his mom are two really important things. Yeah, I was going to say, I think it's weird that he, I wanted to say this to him, but the call call just kind of ended. I think it's weird that he thinks there's just like, what, 10 states that 
would even be comparable to moving to New Hampshire because like Tennessee is in the south and it still has a pretty bad winter. When we moved there, we were like climbing up a a hill to get to our house of snow and ice. It's not like it. I don't know. In one of the mountainous regions? No, it's in Clarksville, Tennessee, which is far west and north, like close to Kentucky. But um, like north of Nashville. So it's not mountainous or anything like that. It's just, I don't know. I just think that if you have any kind of winter, then it's just as bad as New Hampshire. And New Hampshire has a better winter than northern Utah, which I also lived there for five years, because as soon as it's like October, everything is just dead and ugly and gray. So you live with like clouds covering the sky because you're surrounded by mountains and there's like inversion from October to May. It's horrible. Brown it's not like clouds. that here. Yeah, it's, it's just brown yeah. and gray there. Yep, the snow I mean, is brown, the air is brown, everything's brown, it's gross. I mean, if you're a salamander who wants it to be 90 degrees year-round, <laughs> sure. Flor- Florida or the Honduras or something is probably a pretty good choice. But if you are a normal human being who enjoys having four seasons and a earth that actually <laughs> experiences temperature changes, then you, New Hampshire is just fine. The, I don't know why there's this mythology that New Hampshire's winters are just so much worse than everywhere else. It's true that they're worse compared to Florida, worse compared to Nevada or California, or parts of California at least, or Mississippi, but it's still just a winter, right? Put on a coat, put on a scarf if you need to, put on some gloves, you'll be fine. And there's no beautiful spring at the end of the tunnel for a lot of places with winter like utah it's okay i i I will say it's not the worst but in new hampshire there's like this oh my gosh i can't wait for it to be like actually april not even may uh, was beautiful last year once you get past mud season that's true (laughs) but there is a mud season where all the snow melts and everything is just muddy for like three weeks but it was so nice and keen like i was so sad because ian was in jail the whole month and that was my favorite month uh, as far as nature this year but it's well, really not that you. bad here, and there there is a very strong sense of community, and that that's a powerful thing, right? And we saw that during the raid when Ian got arrested and I got arrested, where uh, people not even living here in New Hampshire were the ones who were sharing the news about it and getting people who did live here in New Hampshire on the ground filming, doing anything and everything they could to have our backs as you know the FBI crashed down on us. And we wouldn't get that in the Honduras or Utila or wherever it is that Mark is currently gallivanting around. Also, does he not want a community built there? Because I thought that was the goal. (laughs) I think that probably is the goal. There's more coming up here. 603-283-6160 if you want to join us. It's Free Talk Live. to share your thoughts and opinions 603-283-6160 if you'd like to do that that's 603-283-6160 with you tonight it's aria it's bonnie and Lori, and we're giving away a second bitbox on new year's eve for those who don't know the bitbox is a hardware wallet but unlike other wallet hardware wallets bitbox's software is 100 open source which helps it to avoid some of the problems that other hardware wallets sometimes have if you want a chance to win all you have to do is join the AMPS program at amps.freetalklive.com. That's amps.freetalklive.com. We'll be choosing one of our supporters at random on an episode of Free Talk Live that is taking place on New Year's Eve. 
And although we like being able to offer a bonus to our supporters, the reason you should join is because you like the show and you want to support the show. That's amps.freetalklive.com, amps.freetalklive.com. Now, before we got into the merits of New Hampshire and the strong libertarian community that exists here, which I saw just a few weeks ago when a, a, I want to call her a friend of mine, but I don't believe I've ever even actually met this person. She's a libertarian. I, I don't even know where she lives now that I think about it. So I've almost certainly never met her, but her house burned down. And that night there were libertarians out there helping her. Uh, I think her keys burned up in the house as well. So they helped her get to a hotel room and she since got a new place that she's renting and a lot of help from the libertarian community that happened that night while her house was actively burning down. It's an incredible level of community here that you just don't see anywhere else. It's sort of like, and and I hate saying this because one of my biggest criticisms of the Free State Project is this cult-like mannerism that it has where they, they all say, welcome home when you talk about moving here or that you have moved here. And I got to tell you, I find that cringy and creepy, and I really wish they would stop doing it. Well, I liked when Derek J said to me, welcome to the free state. I felt like, oh, welcome, without being creepy. I, I like that approach a lot better. I, I, I could certainly get on board with that, but the way it's said isn't just, oh, well, welcome home. It's <laughs> it's always like a, a blank, loving, cult-like sound. <laughs> welcome home, Jane. We make jams and jellies. Welcome home. And that's my only real criticism of the Free State Project. It does have that little cult-like aspect to it that I'm not necessarily a big fan of. But that said, it is a lot like a religious community. And the Free State Project in that regard is a lot like the Puritans that first came to the United States. They were like, hey, this religious thing you got going on here in England, it's not working for us. So all of us like-minded people, we're going to go here and we're going to establish our own religious freedom community. And granted... None of that happened the way that they planned for it to happen or they wanted it to happen. And they, they became corrupt and started, you know, executing witches and all that kind of nonsense. But without getting into religious history in the United States, the Free State Project is basically that same idea. It's taking a religious community because that's the only other place that you see these sort of communities, right? If someone at a church, if their house burns down, everyone in that church pulls together to help them out. You don't see that among Republican communities or Democratic communities. I think about it like that all the time, that it's like a religious community and that whenever I'm around somebody like our friends, the Gordons, I'm just like, I, I have this feeling like that we're part of the same thing. You know, it sounds yeah. creepy, maybe, to some people, but it's a nice feeling. And I think actually most humans look for that and they look for it in creepier places. Like, we both believe that somebody died 2,000 years ago for our sins is a weirder niche than we both believe in the principle of non-aggression. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I don't like referring to it as a religious community simply because it does have so many unfortunate connotations to it. But the idea of liberty, it is ultimately a spiritual idea, right? Because there's no real utilitarian reason that freedom should be better than not being free, except I believe that freedom is going to lead to a better world than not freedom, right? So in a sense, that is a religious belief, and we all come together in that idea that the best way to serve ourselves and each other is to be free and to not aggress against one another. 
So it sort of is a religious belief, I would argue. I mean, that's sort of why what Free Talk Live is considered doing is ministry, ministry of the ideas of liberty, because there are a lot of religious aspects to it. It's Libertarianism is a belief system. It's a very loose, very uncodified political system where basically it's just don't aggress against people and don't take their stuff, but it's still just a religious belief. So we do have a strong community here, and the closest parallel I can think of is your church community or your mosque community or your synagogue community or your Buddhist temple or monastery or whatever. Only in a religious community, there's a lot more things for somebody to have a belief in that the other person doesn't, and it's a huge disagreement. In libertarians, it's just like, oh, they want to do it like that. But as long as we have the one thing that we still agree on, which is you don't mess with me and I don't mess with you, then there's not like a big reason to be not part of the same community. Like if you're a Christian that believes in the Holy Spirit being inside somebody and somebody somebody else is a Christian who doesn't believe in that part, you basically are two different things. Right. And that's ultimately because Christianity, all of these other religions, they're not built from the foundation that it's wrong to aggress against people, right? Within the confines of their religion, if you feel what someone is doing is wrong and they profess to be following the same religion as you are, then they're they're sinning and they should be punished. That's one of the things that I liked about Tom Gray, who used to do the call to freedom with me so much, is like, a lot of Christians want to criticize me in my lifestyle, but they don't have the right to do that because I'm not professing to be following their code, their laws or whatever. Libertarianism, however, the only real code that it has is not aggressing against people. So even if someone is living a life that you don't approve of, and you, you hate everything about it, it's still wrong to aggress against people. And you're coming at it from the point of view of they're, not, they're also not going to force you to live the way that they want you to live. Christianity and these other religions, they don't have that. And because of that, there have been schisms. They've killed one another mm-hmm. over their disagreements. And libertarians, as pedantic as they are, and look, until you get to New Hampshire, you have no idea how pedantic libertarians <laughs> really can be. Well, actually... Like, every libertarian chat i've ever seen devolves into endless pointless arguments about tiny things that affect like half of a particular person and no one else on the planet and these arguments go on for hours i've been guilty but at least i know that when i'm arguing with chris wade about something on telegram that we don't actually hate each other and we just want to argue yes absolutely none of it's coming from a position of hostility or anything like that and it's entertaining it's fun to be one of these people because it makes you think about things that you otherwise wouldn't think about but ultimately it's libertarians like arguing and they do that a lot with each other but and you see this playing out in real time in the libertarian party that that's one of the reasons it has never accomplished anything notable in its 50-year history is because they're too busy arguing about bylaws and what pink-haired lady did last week to actually get anything accomplished Here in New Hampshire, the libertarians are like, hey, I want to be free. You want to be free. Let's work toward that. Where the National Libertarian Party, they're like the starving puppies, right, that have just a little bit of kibble. And they're going to fight to the death over that little bit of kibble because they're undisciplined and they don't realize that they're fighting to the death over this tiny amount. And there's this great big mountain of food beside them that they're just ignoring because they don't they would rather argue and fight and that's what i see in the national libertarian party i don't see that in new hampshire there's more coming up it's free talk live 
Free Talk Live's video archives have been on Library for years. Library is an uncensorable, decentralized, blockchain-based media sharing protocol, and we're big fans of it here on Free Talk Live. In 2020, Library launched Odyssey, a video sharing website to compete with YouTube, and it's really taking off. Now with over 1 million channels, many of whom are disaffected YouTube creators. During YouTube's crackdown for not towing the government line on COVID, the Free Talk Live YouTube channel started receiving strikes and could be completely taken down at any moment. Thankfully, Odyssey started offering live streaming, so we're now streaming live every night and posting our video archives permanently to Odyssey. You can watch live or anytime on our Odyssey channel by visiting video.freetalklive.com. If you want to go all in, download the desktop app at lbry.com, and then every video archive you watch, you'll help seed and keep it online forever. At minimum, we ask you visit video.freetalklive.com and follow us on Odyssey today. Video.freetalklive.com it's free talk live where you're invited to take control of the airwaves talk about whatever is on your mind 603-283-6160 if you'd like to do that again that's 603-283-6160 with you tonight it's aria it's bonnie and laurie and before we got into a lengthy discussion about i accidentally clicked something to try to get back into a window that launched a video then i can just go ahead and mute that so if i do click it again it doesn't happen we were talking about the omicron variant the data from south africa which was compiled by discovery health which is not the Cable station, Discovery Health. Isn't there a Discovery Health? It seems like there yeah. would be a station called Discovery there Health. There is, yeah. I, problem, yeah. It's largest private health insurer. That's who Discovery Health is in South Africa. They found that although there were high numbers of breakthrough infections in people who had been vaccinated, breakthrough infections, by the way, Lori, you have a story about that. You're not even allowed to talk about them on Twitter anymore. Hmm. Cases appeared to be less severe and this was backed up by anecdotal evidence from doctors on the ground. Oh, well, suddenly science is determined by anecdotal evidence. Well, thank goodness for that. I mean, they did that at the uh, Keene City Council Committee uh, meeting. People got up to talk. Well, first they let the doctor from the local hospital come up and talk for a long, long time. Not the doctor, just one of the doctors. And he was just giving anecdotal evidence of his hospital and things going like the staff didn't get as many cases of covid like okay there's other places that you can point to anyways i mean that's not even anecdotal evidence that's just them making stuff up and having absolutely no evidence it's like me saying well thank goodness i didn't go to walmart today because a safe could have fallen on my head and i would have died there's no there's no evidence that that would have happened if i had gone to walmart or if i hadn't gone to walmart or whatever you you can't compare a hypothetical like that to what actually happened because you can't split reality and say, okay, this is this is the timeline in which this employee or my employees did not get vaccinated. This is the timeline in which they did get vaccinated and we can compare these two and we can see that if they got vaccinated, fewer people got sick and fewer people died. Instead, they're just making up this hypothetical timeline and they're saying, well, yes, clearly the vaccine kept them from getting sick. But you don't know that. Maybe they just fought it off. Maybe they just didn't get it. I mean, yeah, maybe, maybe they've they already had it. Maybe they just had asymptomatic infection, like they claim is so prevalent. They this study found that effectiveness against infection dropped from eighty percent. 
to 33%, which uh, this is against the Omicron variant. So not very effective. I mean, 80% isn't very effective in the first place. I mean, let's just be honest. If condoms were only 80% effective, they, 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 every condom company would constantly be getting sued. 80% effective. That's a really low bar to have set. Mm-hmm. I mean, do you want your, do you want your doctor to be, to have passed <laughs> college with an 80 as his, or what, what would that GPA, the, a 2.0? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> GPA. It offers 70% protection against hospital admissions. How do they study? How do they right. measure that? Right. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't. And this was maintained across age groups and chronic conditions. And they admitted that at the beginning they were using different uh, parameters for what was vaccinated and unvaccinated anyways. They were just saying there's 100% of people or an 80% of people in the hospital are unvaccinated, but they were using months um, of data where the vaccine hadn't even come out yet, wasn't available to anyone. Sounds about right. That, and to be clear, this 80% to 33% effectiveness, they're, they're really just comparing hypotheticals there as well because they can't take this one particular individual and compare their likelihood of getting COVID-19 from the Omicron variant when they're vaccinated to when they're unvaccinated. They could just take two people who are sort of similar, one of whom is vaccinated, one of whom isn't, expose them to the Omicron variant, and see what happens. See which one gets COVID-19. Of course, that's unethical. And no medical association in the world is going to let you just knowingly expose people to COVID-19 to see whether or not your vaccine works. And you'd have to like control that. Yeah. And you'd ha- crazy like the humidity in the room, the air temperature, the airflow, like everything about it would have to be super controlled. And they'd basically have to be genetic twins. They, they would have to be because for all you know, this this one person who didn't get COVID-19 it's because they had COVID six months ago or whatever, and the vaccine has nothing to do with them not getting it now. Mm-hmm. Or they take different vitamins, or they have uh, different um, genes in their body that make their immune system different. Yeah, they you spend know? different amounts of time in the sun. There's right. all one sorts is like of... obese, yeah. and one's not, because we learned that the COVID uh, virus can attack fat cells. There's all sorts of variables that they simply can't account for. It's very heartening to see these results, said Professor Glinda Garay, and release... It's it's very heartening heartening to see these results and release that vaccine effect. Oh, okay. It's very releasing to see that vaccine effectiveness is still greater than 50%. So it's encouraging. And again, the booster strategy may also mitigate the reduction in vaccine effectiveness. That sounds like something you should be saying in the studies. Oh, we're very encouraged that it's working over 50%. We're getting it up there to where it'll start working. Not when you've already been rolling it out to the entire world's population. Well, define working as well, because what she's describing as vaccine effectiveness is just that it's protecting people against hospital admissions. Hmm. Only 33% of people are actually being protected against infection, which is the whole freaking point of a vaccine. It's 50% effective against hospital visits? It's 70% effective against hospital admissions, yes. Okay, 70%. Which, again, they can't really account for. People who have been vaccinated are staying in the hospital just two and a half days. (laughs) (sighs) that there are so many variables there again about a person's natural immunity, their their body's ability to fight off a virus that vac- vaccinated or not, it's absolutely silly. The study also showed that the odds of reinfection were lower than during Delta, suggesting that people who had a Delta infection may be better protected. 
I don't understand that at all. I, did they? It didn't say how long unvaccinated people are in the hospital. It it certainly did not. No. Well, I imagine a lot of... Maybe un- it's three days. Maybe it's one and a half days. Well, most people say. in South Africa aren't vaccinated, right? It has a relatively low vaccination rate. And if the Omicron variant is spreading as fast as they say, the majority of people who get it can't be being hospitalized in the first place. I would think not. So a lot of them are probably just getting sick for a day or two and then going about their lives. One of the things I saw recently is that these symptoms caused by the Omicron variant are different and that you don't lose your sense of smell or taste. I don't know how true that is, but at least one study said that, or at least one doctor said that. So if they just have the sniffles for a few days, or if they're just randomly tired for a day or two, why would they even go to get tested? That's not one of the COVID-19 symptoms. Right. It sounds like a cold. It's absolutely just a cold. You know, and they say some people are dying from it. Some people die from paper cuts. Yeah, And some <laughs> people die from cold. <laughs> some people die from the flu. And it's supposedly just like the flu. This one is definitely proving to be more like the flu. If you look at the proportion of patients admitted to high care in ICU for severe severe illness across the first three waves, the proportion... Okay, that's a boring statement, and it's very badly worded. At the Science and Technology Select Committee, Kate Bingham, also a truly British name, who led the government's vaccine program, said the data from South Africa is encouraging. It may be that Omicron is a more mild disease. It is clearly widely divergent from the Wuhan strain. And How can they know which strain you have? It's just so genetic, weird. Genetic testing of it, from what I can tell. But they said that the test they're using doesn't even work, and they're still using it. So how can they know what... They're not using genetic testing at the hospital when you go to get your PCR test, though. Okay. And so I can't believe they're still using those. To do the genetic testing, they have to get a, probably a sample of your, your saliva or something and ship it off to a lab and... So they're doing that with every single test? No, certainly not. So then how do they know all these people have this variant? How do they know that everyone has Delta? How do they know everyone has whatever? They probably just do a sample size and just extrapolate the data from that. Like, okay, Mm -hmm. we collected uh, 200 samples or whatever, and 170 of them were the Omicron variant. So presumably if there's 2,000 people, then we're going to find 1,700 of them are the Omicron variant. That's probably how they're doing it. That's not good science, though. Well, I mean, that's the only way they really can do it. They can't do the gene testing for every single person who tests positive for COVID-19. But because they, they should stop assuming numbers then. They should. <laughs> I agree. But they're not going to. But hey, they're saying that the Omicron variant is less scary than the other ones. And I'm like, man, that's great because the other ones didn't do anything to me. So this one's going to do even less. 603-283-6160. It's Free Talk Live. Talk Live, where you can share your opinions, 603-283-6160, if you want to do that. Talk about whatever you want. Talk about the Omicron variant, as we've been discussing, or why you think other states may be better places, or other parts of the world may be better destinations for liberty lovers than New Hampshire, 603-283-6160. With you tonight, it's Aria. It's Bonnie. And Lori. And Lori, you brought in a study about an anti-aging vaccine i've seen things similar to this floating around in the news for the last several years that they they found new way of slowing agency or uh, slowing aging or halting aging but i've never really paid any attention to it but you have a story about this so let's get into that all right this is from the japan times 
and it says Japanese scientists develop vaccine to eliminate cells behind aging. A Japanese research team said that it developed a vaccine to remove so-called zombie cells that accumulate with age and damage nearby cells, causing aging-related diseases, including arterial stiffening. The team, including... So, if I'm understanding correctly, these zombie cells are just sort of a body's built-in self-destruct mechanism that builds up and eventually just kills us? Yeah, so your cells die and new cells regenerate, but the cells that die don't go anywhere. They just kind of sit there, accumulating. Um, so the team, including Jutendo University professor Turu Minamino, confirmed that mice administered with the vaccine showed de- decreases in zombie cells, medically known as sensent cells, and in areas affected by arterial stiffening. We can expect that the vaccine will be applied to the treatment of arterial stiffening, diabetes, and other aging-related diseases, M- Minamino said. The result of the team's research was published in the online version of the journal Nature Aging on Friday. Sensent cells refer to those that have stopped dividing but do not die. They damage nearby healthy cells by releasing chemicals that cause inflammation. The team identified a protein found in the sensent cells in human and mice and created a peptide vaccine based on an amino acid that constitutes the protein. The vaccine enables the body to create antibodies that attach themselves to sensent cells, which are removed by white blood cells that adhere to the antibodies. When the it's team, all very confusing. Well, the cells, uh, these cells, they die but don't go anywhere so what they're doing is they're well they it's it said they uh stop uh splitting they stop reproducing basically right. I, I don't remember the terminology they used and because i don't remember fifth grade biology i don't remember the correct term that you literally just said <laughs> that was in the article but dividing that was it they stopped dividing but they they don't actually die they just sort of sit there producing poisonous chemicals that's kind basically. of the death of a cell though if it stops dividing True. it's kind of just sitting there not doing anything so it's it's releasing these chemicals that cause the other cells around it to be damaged i just think when my cells start doing that it's time for me to die well your cells are already doing they that they started doing that the moment you were born yeah but what i mean is to a rate where my hair turns gray and i am getting really old and stuff it's just It'll be time for me to die. I'd rather do something more or die more naturally than get all this done. My uncle had a full head of gray hair at 18. Well, oh, man, so. that's unfortunate. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, I know a lot of libertarians are, are against, you know, transhumanism and stuff like that. I, I don't want my brain to be effective, uh, be effective. A lot of them, a, a lot of transhumanists are like, yes, I want microchips in my brain to make it mm-hmm. more powerful or to help me remember better and stuff. like. That. I, I, I kind of want my brain left alone. But sure, if you could build me an Android body that, you know, I could build to specifications that I liked and you could just take my brain and put it in that for a few centuries or whatever, I'd be okay with that. Yeah, no, I would not. I think about this topic so often because DARPA is doing this. And what by, is DARPA? Um, it's just some organization. I can't remember what it stands for right now, but they do all kinds of crazy testings and they have a like coalition of doctors that are looking into basically this and... Um, They want to, by 2045, it's called the Avatar Project. They want to, by 2045, have holographic avatars that people's, like, sentience is put into. And I would never, never ever do that. As long as I could withdraw the right from my sentience to continue existing, like, if they just want to trap my consciousness, whatever that means, and put it into another body to exist in this hologram or this metaverse or whatever it is that they're talking about doing... I'd be okay with that in theory, 
As long as I as long as I can always say it anytime. Okay, I'm done here. Pull the plug. But that's the thing. How would the thing about it is ultimately control to me. Like I want to be able to control when I die. And if my whole entire consciousness is just in this computer system that's like always up on the cloud or whatever, and I can't if somehow somebody else has the power to get rid of me, but I don't have the power. Oh, oh my gosh, I don't want to have to kill myself, and I don't want to have to have somebody else be the only person with the key to killing me. Well, that's sort of how it is in American society already. I mean, sure, technically you can kill yourself, but it's considered a crime. And if you're not successful, you could actually end up in jail like, for attempting it. It's crazy. I mean, I agree, obviously. Uh, your, bo- your body is yours. Your life is yours. If you want to end your life, that should 100% be your, your right. But at the same time, someone else could also just kill you. I, I like the idea of being able to control when I'm going to die and to die on my terms and all that. But realistically... That's unlikely. I mean, in real terms, the idea that we're going to have any control over how we die is not very likely. We're more likely to die in a car crash or while walking down the street. That's not really what I meant, though. I mean, I mean, like you are in a place where literally somebody else has a key to your existing or not existing. That's just not okay with me. Like if it's the universe has the key, that's different. You know, just, oh, I could step into these circumstances today. That's fine. But if it's this person on the outside of a computer controlling me on side of inside of a computer no so i think the whole being in the cloud thing that's not actually your existence that's like a replication of your memories and stuff so you wouldn't sure. really be there but if you were a cyborg with your brain in that indestructible body then you're controlling that i'm down for being a cyborg i don't want to be uploaded to the cloud though I wouldn't mind being uploaded to the cloud if they like gave me stuff to do, right? Well, you wouldn't be there. You wouldn't actually be sentient. It's like a replication of you. Well, we don't. It may be sentient. I mean, we we don't really know. We, we don't know what we are. Like right. we don't know what makes us <laughs> sentient. So how could we upload that? But I just know it's not this physical body, and I just think I just know it's something beyond that. And I'd rather just die and move on from this body than be like grasping to hold, stay in this body forever with these shots and, you know, look the same. I'd rather just get old and everybody leave me alone and nobody <laughs> invite me out drinking because I'm old. See, I'm, I'm exactly the opposite. I would rather not get old if if I could just pretty much stay as I... Actually, I would turn back the clock and be like, look, if I could just stay as my 23-year-old self for the next <laughs> 70 years and then just say, all right, I've had enough and press a button and suddenly just die... That would be ideal. I want an indestructible uh, body and like all the wisdom of a god. I want to live for like thousands of years <laughs> and know everything and just be a robot. I wouldn't want to live that long. I, I tend <laughs> to think I would just run out of. I, I would run out of energy. I feel like to just continue existing at that point. Mm. Yeah, the Bible says, and that's one thing I agree with, that we long to shed our bodies like clothes and put on new heavenly bodies. I, I mean, want to go. Don't recharge, don't recharge your robot body, and then yeah, that, power down. <laughs> that's where I'm coming from. I mean, I I want to be able to if if I can extend my existence beyond the natural parameters, right? Then it has to come with the caveat that I can also end that existence, because that's the argument people make: suicide is unnatural or it's a, it's evil or whatever. Okay. But if if all of that is unnatural, this artificial extending of life is also unnatural. So if we're going to do an unnatural thing already, which I would argue it's by definition natural because humans are natural beings. Therefore, anything we create is by definition natural. 
But if they want to take that position, fine. But I can still pull the plug, you know, 150 years from now if I want to. I mean, if you're in like a cyborg body, there's no saying you can't climb a telephone pole and swing from power lines. That well, would definitely end it. You we know, also, there's no way to stop you from ending it. We don't know what that existence would feel like. And the sensation of not being in a body is probably something that would make me crazy if my you brain would be was still in a body, alive. Though. You'd be in a cyborg body. Yeah, but they probably couldn't replicate it exactly like being in a flesh and blood body. And it would be terrifying. I think you could. Because all that is is your different areas of your brain being triggered. So you'd have like electrodes inside your brain for all the different sensations and stuff. You'd but, still be able to taste things and smell things. And Yeah, the technology certainly isn't there yet. So all of this is just hypothetical of uh, stuff that could be done. I mean, we certainly don't have the technology. As you pointed out, we don't understand what sentience even really is. So we don't have the technological or moral or spiritual understanding to take a human and put them into a different form. And it's going to be at least, I, I would speculate, centuries before we have technology of that level. I'm sure all the other kin will have like dog robots and stuff. That'll oh, be interesting. God. Yeah. I mean, it could be a lot of fun, right? Yeah. I, I would rather have that than the metaverse where I could just, you know, create my character and pretend to be that character. No, give me a cyborg that I can customize in the way that I want, that I can just pop my brain into. And when I'm done with that, I can say, okay, I've seen enough in the simulation. Put me out of my misery. And that just automatically happened. It'd be fun. It, it would be fun. It'd be a good way of extending life and giving people the opportunity to exist in the way that they want to exist. 603-283-6160. Would you jump into a cyborg body? It's Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live. It's Free Talk Live, where you're invited to take control of the airwaves, talk about whatever is important to you, 603-283-6160, if you'd like to do that. That's 603-283-6160. With you tonight, it's Aria. It's Bonnie. And Lori. And I'm actually traveling tomorrow to go see some of my family, so I have the story here that I want to get into about political polarization in the United States. And... I'm not seeing the vast majority of my family. I'm basically seeing my sister and my nephew. And I don't. hopefully she didn't even tell any other family members that I'm going to be there for this because I don't want to see them. But thinking about this, I kind of would like to argue politics with these people now that I, I think about it because that, that would be it would be fun for me. <laughs> But I don't think they would enjoy it very much. And what was it we were saying about libertarians arguing earlier <laughs> and liking to? Well, there's, there's no doubt I like trolling. And at this point, my existence to them is just a giant black stain on them that they're torn about. Like, my father was remarking about this to my sisters. Like, I, I want to be proud and I want to tell people about this, but I can't because she's trans. So he, I, I the troll in me loves how proud he is and yet how simultaneously ashamed he is so i would love to throw that in the face his face and just argue politics in him ex- tell him he's wrong and stupid and here are the long list of reasons why that is but my family's never been one to talk politics during the holidays religion is more likely to come up during the holidays than politics they're the same thing they, they are yeah Talking politics during the holidays, though, it can turn family gatherings into hostile debates very quickly. While most people eventually forgive and forget these political disagreements, I'm not sure that's true. 
I've seen people for the last several years blocking family members and longtime friends on Facebook and social media and refusing to have anything to do with them over political disagreements. I'll do. I did that to my sister over being racist. But that's I, fair. I, I think that's fair. But I like me and my dad will talk about what we don't agree about and then go on just hanging out. It, like we don't agree on things that are crazy. But if somebody in my family was racist, like my sister then I'll not talk to her. I think that's different because that's a hateful view and yeah. not like just something I think is I know, proper. <laughs> I remember in 2016, it was really bad. I, I'm in this Facebook group called Pantsuit Nation that I'm probably still a member of and it's just gone dormant. I don't know. I'm in a lot of Facebook groups, but this one was just a group of Hillary Clinton supporters. And I wasn't a Hillary Clinton supporter, but they took one look at my profile and they said, yeah, this person, absolutely. And... From the election on, it was just them crying. But prior to that, it was a lot of, I unblocked my father and how he's never going to see his grandkids and stuff like that because of political disagreements. So this author asks, is there a point of no return where Americans can no longer coexist with each other? I'd say, in fact, there is a point of no return and we've already reached it. That's why this American experiment has failed. That's why people should come to New Hampshire. People who love liberty should come to New Hampshire. Help us with our declaration of independence from the United States government. And then we don't have to try to coexist with the crazy liberals in California or the crazy conservatives in Texas. We can do our own thing and we don't have to try to coexist within a single political system with them. We can coexist by saying, hey, you leave us alone and we're going to leave you alone. I think even politics aside, it's crazy to think that people in Maine should have to coexist with people in Southern California, because why should they have to be relying on the same system to just do their everyday things in their life? They shouldn't be connected at all. And it, that's just what people think has to be. It has to be America. Can't break up. That's crazy. Well, they call this coexistence, but I'm not I'm not at all convinced that's coexistence. Coexistence would be New Hampshire independence and saying, hey, look, we're going to leave you alone. You leave us alone. The, the political system they have in place is the opposite of coexistence. It says, hey, I'm going to take power and I'm going to force society to go in the way that I want it to go. And the other side says, no, we're going to take power and we're going to force society in the way that we want it to go. And their two worldviews are diametrically, diametrically opposed. So they're not coexisting. They're just fighting with, the, with one another perpetually. That's not coexistence at all. That's just... Stopping just short of killing each other in the streets. People have a weird um, clinging on to tradition and the way things have always been done. Some guy thousands or hundreds of years ago decided this is the way we're going to do it. And this is the way we've always done it. So this is the way we have to keep doing it. Yeah, but that system doesn't work. No. <laughs> and, you know, Mark mentioned the sheriff campaign where because what that campaign proved was that the average American has no idea who they're voting for. And. This is why the results surprised me so much that there are like 4,000 people in the primaries because we're always told the primary voters, they're, they're the well-connected, they're the elite voters, they're the, they're the knowledgeable ones, they're the educated ones. Yeah, except they're not. They're just as, they may be slightly more educated and knowledgeable than the average voter, but it's ever so slightly. I mean, it's in the 1% to 2% more knowledgeable, more educated sphere. We're, we're not talking... They're the ones who actually know who they're voting for. They're, they're absolutely not. So if you blow that up to the general election, you have people in California who are voting for people about whom they know absolutely nothing. And those millions of people voting in California, 
who they vote for, what they vote for, is going to impact you directly here in New Hampshire. And that's completely insane. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter whether it works or not. And clearly it doesn't work. But the idea on its face is insane. You want to tell me that you really support a system that allows millions of people in California to just blindly vote for who's going to tell you what you can and can't do? That's that's insane. And it's not coexistence either because the the conservatives are constantly trying to get power back so that they can force the... um, pull back all of the liberal progressive changes and the liberals, the Democrats, they want to get into power to do the exact same thing. When a Republican gets in power, they're not motivated by pushing a conservative agenda. They just want to punish the Democrats for what the Democrats did when they were in office. And when the Democrats are in office, they're not interested in doing anything good for society. They just want to punish the Republicans. Mm -hmm. It's a system of abuse and retribution that is never ending And no part of it has anything to do with coexistence. But a new study by researchers at Cornell University finds there may actually be a tipping point where no issue imaginable can unite Republicans and Democrats again. I can't think of a single issue that exists right now that Republicans and Democrats are united about. I mean, if you go to MSNBC.com, I don't know if this is true today, but two days ago I checked it and... Every single one of the articles that they had, like the first 10 articles, they were either about Trump or they were about the January 6th riot or insurrection. My phone always gets Washington Post notifications and it's always about the January 6th, quote, insurrection. Yeah. Does anyone care about that at this point? I mean, but that's what the Democratic news feeds are constantly putting forward to them. Oh, look what Republicans did. Look what the conservatives did. They attempted an insurrection. Be afraid. Don't don't tolerate these people. Punch them. Punch the Nazis. It's completely possible to just ignore Trump to where he seems like he doesn't exist. I do it every single day. I More often than not, I forget that Trump exists. I really do, too. People's views are so nuanced, too. I can't believe that people are okay with being like, there's two teams, and you got to pick one, and that's it. You're on this team, or you're on this team. And if you're not on that team, then you hate that team. Like, it doesn't make any sense. People seem to do that with everything. Like, I always hear people who have never been Christian in their lives in the South saying things like, I don't I don't believe in God, just like it's just Christianity. You know what I mean? Like, there's either believing in God or not believing in God, and it's the only option is Christianity. It's really well, weird. Well, that's the result of Christians basically taking over the United States. So... I mean, it's, it's by far the dominant religion in the United States. That's... So, like the only option in their heads, though, that's it's the same thing with Republican and Democrat. True. Their findings reveal that at this point, extreme polarization becomes irreversible. The team's predictive model for measuring the behavior of a polarized political group, like the current U.S. Senate, Senate shows that even after an attack by a foreign power or another pandemic, it would not heal the political divide. So I would speculate that at this point, you probably could unite Democrats and Republicans with an attack by a foreign power but i don't i don't know why they say another pandemic would not heal the political divide all the last quote pandemic did was make the political divide worse mm-hmm. it just gave republicans and democrats something else to fight about there's more coming up about political polarization I, i'm of the opinion that they don't get along these two groups so they should stop trying to sit at the same table just leave each other alone there's more coming up it's free talk live
It's Free Talk Live, where you can weigh in with your thoughts and opinions. Talk about whatever is important to you. 603-283-6160 if you want to do that. Again, that number is 603-283-6160. And here at Free Talk Live, we're raising funds with Give Directly, the first nonprofit that allows you to give money directly to people living in extreme poverty. They locate recipients in need and use mobile money to send them cash with no strings attached. And research shows that giving people money to when they live in poverty can help drive a range of important positive changes in their lives, like employment, nutrition, health, and education. Plus, cash allows individuals to invest in what they need instead of relying on aid organizations and donors thousands of miles away to choose for them. And I think that's a better way of handling it. So Free Talk Live is matching your donations, which helps families in Bomet and Khalifi counties in Kenya who are in need. We're matching your donations up to $30,000. So if you're feeling generous this holiday season, head over to give.freetalklive.com and help some of these areas that have been plagued by drought, floods, and food insecurity. There's no better way to help families in Kenya, in my opinion. That's give.freetalklive.com. That'll take you directly there. Give.freetalklive.com. We have Van calling from South Carolina. Van, you're on Free Talk Live. Hey, how you been? Hey, what's on your mind tonight? Oh, uh, yeah, man, you all sound real uptight. Look, um... We're uptight? Uh, no, about about politics and stuff. Like, you know, they're all liars. Look, yeah. uh, if we're libertarians, we just, we secede. It's going to happen, man. Okay. It it, it happen. may happen here I, in New no, Hampshire. I, I'm a grandfather. Yeah, I mean, okay, uh, I don't yeah, mean to okay. interrupt you. But I, I know. my grandchildren are going to see this. There's going to Okay, you got the bill of rights, you got this stuff. Okay, yeah. people who don't believe it, go. All right? And uh I'm not going to see it, man, cuz I got lung cancer. But I tell you something else, man. Uh, Van, I'm, I, no, 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 I don't. Yeah, 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 Van. Uh, you may see it sooner than you think because New Hampshire has already put forward legislation in the House of Representatives that it would put on the ballot the question of whether or not New Hampshire should or is peaceably declaring independence from the United States government. And we don't even have a hearing date for that yet, but it's probably going to be in the next few months. And we could actually see that put on the ballot and... We don't know what will happen after that. So it could be something, Van, that you see in your lifetime. Go ahead. Oh, no, what I see in my lifetime, no, it's going to happen. I'm an old dude. I'm 60 years old, okay? I just see it in my grandkids' life, okay? Yeah, you know but on me? The, the ba- no, oh. you're still here. The ballot- no, I heard a beep on my phone. <laughs> okay. The, the ballot, no. it could be, it could be, the question could be on the ballot next year, as in this upcoming it's November. No, yes. we have to secede. Yes, from DC, here in New Hampshire. Man. Yes, here in New I Hampshire. In I, I, Van, here in New Hampshire, there is legislation in the state house right now. Yeah, but you're telling me, man, we got to go. We got to roll big. Yeah, get the hell out of this stuff, man. Yeah, that's why the because it's not working. That's why New Hampshire you know? has proposed this independence legislation that again is currently in the House of Representatives. It's got a bill number. It's gonna get. Oh man! It's gonna get a hearing. It's, it's gonna, gonna get, get a committee. Voted on. Yep. That's so great. No, that is awesome. See, I live in South Carolina. Okay, it'll happen one day. But you know, like I said, I'm an old guy, and I got my grandkids to see it. There's gonna come a day. No, we're not taking this anymore. 
And uh, I just hope no one gets hurt, man. I love y'all. I'm a libertarian. God bless you, and and, and you're rocking it. Rock, rock the libertarian stuff. Awesome. Thank you so much for the call tonight, Van. It's it's encouraging to hear that. I tend to think uh, secession's probably not going to happen for your grandkids, to be honest, because I think the United States government is going to collapse before it can get to that point. It, it'll probably, honestly, collapse before we get to the point of New Hampshire independence. That's assuming the ballot doesn't end up, the question doesn't appear on the ballot next year, which it might, but realistically, there's not a great chance of it happening. But even if it does end up on the ballot, we don't know what the people of New Hampshire will do. But the United States government, all empires ultimately fall. And the United States government has shown through the last several years that it's only turning the printing presses up higher. It's only debasing its currency further at a faster and faster rate, something like 9% consumer price increases in a single year. That's a scary number when you think about it because... Venezuela deals with much higher levels of inflation. Other countries deal with much higher levels of inflation, but they only get to those levels of 100% inflation over the course of you know six weeks because they started with 9% inflation. That means all of your money buys 9% less today than it did this time a year ago. And the reason for that is because the U.S. government has printed so much more money. I'm surprised it's only 9%, given that the entire U.S. money supply was printed like within the last 20 months. The 20% of all the money supply printed in the last 20 months. It probably is higher. Isn't that just official government numbers? I don't I don't know where the 9% came from, honestly. I think we did talk about a, someone who actually did the numbers in the way that they should be done, and he came up with like 30% or something that like that. That sounds more like it. But at any rate, prices are going to go increase. <laughs> They they loved talking about the wage increases that everyone got because a lot of workers did get wage increases when I was working at my other job. I was one of them. But, oh, look, your the average wage increase was like 4.5% or something, and then inflation came along or the price increase came along at 9% and just completely wiped out that wage increase to the extent that even though they're technically making more money now than they were a year ago, that money is buying less than it would be if they were still making that same amount and none of that inflation had actually happened. Those kinds of things destroy empires. That's always been the destroyer of empires. To make matters worse, there's this stuff going on with China and Russia and Ukraine. I don't know what's happening there because I don't follow it very closely. But if the United States, if China actually invades Taiwan, which I don't know if they will or not, who knows what Xi Jinping is going to actually do, The United States is going to respond to that militarily, and a war with China would be catastrophic for the entire world, but especially for the United States and China. Add on top of that all of the inflation, the shipping shortages, the fact that, you know, we have one truck driver, I think, for every 19 containers already sitting on ports. We have closed industrial facilities. We have no one working. We have massive amounts of unemployment. No one looking for jobs for whatever mysterious reason. All of that is very, very bad for the United States, and I just don't see how the empire could survive it. Another reason to leave the Union. Absolutely. Take no responsibility for the mess the United States government, I think, is about to get itself into. I don't know what's going on in Ukraine either. You know, I'm here in the West. I only know what Western media tells me. My mom said she hopes that the U.S. intervenes for Ukraine, and I was just like, why would a world war be better than, you know, Russia going into Ukraine? I don't 
I know the United States is building up a troop presence in Ukraine, and I know that the Russian government is building up a troop presence on the borders of Ukraine. I don't know what's going to happen there, and I don't want to have any anything to do with it. You know, if the United States government wants to fight Russia and they want to fight China over Taiwan and they want to do it over Ukraine as well, they shouldn't. But I don't want to have anything to do with that. Get me the hell out of this thing that makes me, as, quote, an American citizen, somehow culpable for this nonsense. We don't get a choice. You were born. There's more coming up. (laughs) It's Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live, where you're invited to take control of the airwaves, talk about whatever is on your mind. Free Talk Live, of course, is talk radio you control. 603-283-6160 if you'd like to weigh in. That's 603-283-6160 with you tonight. It's Aria. Oh, sorry, Bonnie. It's Bonnie. I feel okay about that because Ian did the same thing last night by accident, so... (laughs) And we've been telling you about how Intercoin can help any business or organization launch their own currency or raise money using their own token. Well, Intercoin has launched its investor token worldwide on an exchange. You can create an account at exmarkets.com. That's xmarkets.com with just an email address, which allows you to keep your privacy intact. You can also use Uniswap. You can find links to both of those on their website. That's intercoin.org, I N. T-E-R-Coin.org. You can get some Intercoin for yourself or learn about the project, help out in some other way, and you just might be advancing the cause of liberty around the world. That's Intercoin.org. We're talking about political polarization here, and I think the United States has already passed the point, what they're describing as a tipping point. Evidently, their study, let's get further into it, their findings reveal that at this point, this is the tipping point. Extreme polarization becomes irreversible. The team's predictive model for measuring the behavior like of a pol- polarized political group like the U.S. Senate shows that even an attack by a foreign power or, quote, another pandemic would not heal the political divide. And this is why I think we've already reached that point. The person who led this, author sa- who led this study says, instead of uniting against a common threat, the threat itself becomes yet another polarizing issue. Well, that sounds exactly like the pandemic that we just had, which has been a political issue, a polarizing political issue from the start. Republicans and Democrats didn't unite against COVID-19. They just fought about it. So I think we're probably already past that point, and the authors here just didn't realize that. We found that polarization increases incrementally only up to a point. The author adds, above this point, there's a sudden change in the very fabric of the institution, like the change from water to steam when the temperature exceeds the boiling point. I think COVID-19 proved that even with something that's not a huge threat, the left will decide that if you don't listen to what the government says, that you should be basically put to death. And that just proves that people who don't agree with that should definitely, you know, break up and not try to live together. I can't live with somebody who thinks that if I don't wear a mask on my face just because a man that calls himself the governor said to, that I need to basically die. Like, that's what it really comes to. That sort of thing has been building for a very long time 
in the United States. I go back to the 2016 election where I saw people saying that they were worried that Trump was going to put them in camps and he was going to exterminate the disabled and all of these other things. They were convinced that these things were going to happen to them. And it's because they sat there in their in their safe space college classrooms for the last six months prior to the election telling themselves what an evil Hitler Trump was. And, of course, he turned out to do none of those things. He wasn't a good guy by any means, but he wasn't the boogeyman that they had told themselves he was going to be. But that boogeyman, that's that's a projection of their worst fears, and they want to do it to the Republicans before the Republicans can do it to them. Researchers say that their work builds on an earlier political model that study co-author Zemansky created to examine the two-party political system. That model looked at 30 years of congressional voting records, correctly predicting the shift in political polarization among 28 out of 30 of the U.S. Congresses. The new model simulates the behavior of 100 politicians within a legislature, like the Senate, who have varying opinions on 10 extremely divisive issues, including gun control and abortion. Over time, the model shows that lawmakers shift their positions on issues according to the influence of like-minded allies and arguments with partisan opponents. All sounds very, very believable. I imagine if you take a Democrat who's pro-abortion and a Republican who's anti-abortion and you make them argue with each other, it just makes the Democrat more pro-abortion and more convinced the Republican is Satan and the Republican more anti-abortion and more convinced the Democrat is Satan. The team also manipulated their control parameters to see how political intolerance, party identity, and the strength of an outside threat impacts the political system. At each mile marker in time, the model recorded two specific measures of political polarization, partisan division and ideological extremism. Well, there's certainly plenty of ideological extremism to go around, and we we see it everywhere in the United States. And people arguing, cutting out family members is just evidence of that. I can't believe my father voted for Trump. I'm never speaking to him again. He'll never have anything to do with his grandchildren. I've seen people say these things. It's crazy. And as far as I can tell, there's no reason not to believe them. I remember during the 2016 election, I had a liberal friend, a hardcore socialist friend who I was arguing with about this. He was like, I saw some old lady crying today because she's she's going to die before 2020. And she just she really wanted to see that glass ceiling broken in her life. And now she's traumatized. She's crying because Trump won. So I sat there and cried with her. I was like, look, man, that is not the way to handle this. You you don't cry with someone. You lift them up. You don't you don't join them in their wallowing in pity and tears and sorrow. You give them reasons to be hopeful. Well, for whatever reason, the powers that be wanted Joe Biden to become president. And I think the only way that even Democrats would have elected Joe Biden, the author of the crime bill, you know, known racist and warmonger, is by first putting up somebody who represented everything they hate. And the only way to get rid of him is voting for Joe Biden. So I think that that's why Trump had to happen. Well, that the whole thing that she was crying about, if it's because a woman didn't get elected, is such a shallow thing to cry about anyway. Yeah. Uh, that's what this purport that that's what this person said she was crying about. I was like, that's silly. Yeah, and aren't you the same person arguing that gender doesn't matter? So, right. If, congratulations, she didn't. It only matters when they want it to matter. Yeah, it's a very conflicting position, but yeah. 
The team, uh, I said that, at each memoir, no, I said that as well. Study authors describe political division as the typical differences of opinion between each party. Meanwhile, the model calculated the level of extremism based on the range of far left and right wing positions lawmakers have on a particular issue. And they, they're only becoming more entrenched and more divided. The Texas abortion law, of course, uh, recently was not put down by the Supreme Court. I don't know because I didn't follow it very closely. But we only see that legislation as a result of President Biden being the president. We saw the same thing in 2008 and 2012 with Republican states doing everything they could to push as hard as they could against liberalism because we had a liberal president. And, of course, now the Democratic governor of California, uh, Newsom, I think his name is, is looking at that and going, that's great. We're going to apply that same argument to gun manufacturers and gun shops. If you if someone commits a crime with a gun and you help them get that gun or whatever, you can now be sued for $10,000. So the, the, the liberals in California, they only have that idea because of Republicans in Texas. And they're only implementing that idea as a way to punish Republicans in Texas somehow. If only somehow. we didn't... Right. <laughs> if only we didn't live in a system where you can vote to, you know, aim a bullet at another person and not even actually help your life get any better. You know, that's all it really is. Right. Yeah, they're not trying to improve things in California. They're just trying to punish Texas and Republicans. And that's true across the political spectrum. Democrats aren't trying to do anything to make anything better. They just want to punish Republicans. Right. It's team sports. Yeah. And Republicans don't want to do anything to make anyone's lives better. They just want to punish Democrats. Mm-hmm. They, they don't care about their issues. They just care about doing whatever makes the Democrats unhappy. And the Democrats only care about doing whatever makes the Republicans unhappy. The process resembles a meltdown in a nuclear reactor. Up to a point, technicians can bring the core temperature back down by increasing the flow of water. But if the temperature goes critical, there is a runaway reaction that cannot be stopped. We're going to talk more about political polarization because I think we've probably already reached that point. What do you think? 603-283-6160 if you want to win. Have you ever cut someone in your family off because of their political associations? Give us a call. Or do you have a family member who won't speak to you because of your political associations? There's more coming up. It's Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live. Of course, we allow you to take control of the airwaves and talk about whatever is on your mind. With you tonight, it's Aria. It's Bonnie. And Lori. And it is talk radio that you control. And if you value that, you may want to join the AMPS program. AMPS stands for Advertise, Market, Promote, and Support. So if you value the show, if you want to help us advertise the show to more listeners, to reach out to more people, to market the show, to promote the show... If you want to show your support for the show, the AMPS program is the best way to do that. That's amps.freetalklive.com. It only costs five bucks per month. That gets you into the AMP program. Alex here is a gold level member, which means that Alex is giving $10 per month to the AMPS program. Like I said, we don't ask that. It does come with a number of cool little perks, though, like an AMP only Facebook group. Of course, we're giving away the BitBox to, our, to one of our amplifiers coming up on New Year's Eve. But really, the reason you should join is because you like Free Talk Live. You want to help the show reach more listeners, and you value the ideas of a national radio show where people can call in and just share their opinions on things, where you can hear from the average person, libertarian or not libertarian, 
about what they think is, is going on and what they think would be best or how we might solve a particular problem. So thank you so much, Alex, for your contribution. That's amps.freetalklive.com. Talking about political polarization here. And the example that this author gives points out that, you know, even the existence of an external threat, once you reach this breaking point, they say another pandemic, it just becomes another divisive issue for people instead of uniting them. And I don't know how any anyone with a Ph.D. Uh, could write that statement and not realize that we just experienced that for the last 20 months with Republicans and Democrats fighting about masks and forced vaccines. And I realize libertarians, we've been here on the front lines as as well about that, but we were never going to unite with the government in order to fight against COVID-19. They're just two forms of the same entity. One's trying to kill us. The other's trying to kill us. So they're, they're both our enemies in this particular fight. But Republicans and Democrats, if there was a real external threat, they point to an attack by a foreign enemy or a, a the next pandemic. The theory goes that they should unite together like the United States did during 9-11 when suddenly Democrat, Republican, white, black, none of that mattered anymore for like a magical 12 minutes. (laughs) It it didn't last long, but that that attack, that perceived attack from an external enemy, it did unite people. If such a thing happened today, we're not seeing people being united. There was the attack on the embassy in Libya or whatever when I think Obama was president. I don't remember now. That didn't unite the American people. That just further divided them. The January 6th insurrection, that didn't unite people. It just further divided them in this pandemic. Same exact thing. It's not uniting anyone it's just giving them something else to fight about. And I think it's mostly the media's fault because there are things that really should just be black and white, like it's right or wrong. Like, honestly, I think now that all the details came out about the Kyle Rittenhouse situation, it should be a black and white. You're a bad person if you think he shouldn't have been able to protect himself from dying. So I think that's black and white. But the media has people convinced that he's a white supremacist and all this crazy, like, extra stuff going on. So that way they have, if you're on the left, you must believe this thing and if you're on the right you must believe this thing and it's really just because people are too plugged in and they need to think for themselves mm-hmm. yeah there is no right or wrong in their worldviews. there there's do you agree with me if so you're right if you disagree with me you're wrong and you're stupid they do have this perception and this is one of the reasons why i left quora i used to be really popular there as an anarchist writer but i had to get away from it because it just became so pervasive of people commenting oh i disagree you're stupid and that was the whole basis of their argument is that they disagree with what you say, and they're assessing your intelligence, not based on your actual intelligence, but whether or not you agree with them. The more you agree with them, the smarter you are to them. And that's true of almost everyone in the United States, and they don't even realize that that's how they're gauging intelligence. It's not a matter of actual intelligence. It's a matter of obedience and allegiance to their political principles. And it's because the education system is also... The same setup as the media. Yeah. It's you're right if you have this opinion and you're wrong if you have this opinion and we mm-hmm. cannot coexist. It has to be everyone, you know, believes this one thing. Coexistence would be great. But what we have in the United States is not coexistence. And in my lifetime, it hasn't been coexistence. Coexistence doesn't cause Hispanics to be caught at the border and thrown into cages and separated from their families. No part of that can be described as coexistence. Coexistence doesn't doesn't cause Californians and Texans to vote on the person who is ultimately 
going to be the ruler I have to obey. And if I don't obey them, they're going to kick in my door. And if they, well, let me rephrase it. If they think I don't obey them, they're going to kick in my door at six o'clock in the morning and haul me off to Merrimack County. That's not coexistence. That's, we're going to use aggression against you if you don't do what we say. Mm-hmm. The state's uh, <clears throat> beloved democracy is basically just all the people in Texas who are not going to get an abortion and are against abortions voting to make it impossible for all the people who would get abortions who happen to live in the same landmass. Right. If you don't want one, don't get one. Yep. Yeah, it's pretty simple, right? Yeah. But see, they're not content with that. No. They want to control what other people do. Right. And it's just as true from the Democratic perspective. If you if you don't want the vaccine, don't get one. Common sense, right? But no, they want to force you to get the vaccine. It's no longer my body, my choice. It's no, no, no. No. Society says, well, okay, that's the same thing the Republicans are saying about abortion, though. Mm-hmm. If they think it's morally wrong to have an abortion to where to the point where you're offending them by doing it. Yeah, they and- consider it to be murder. You consider it me to be murdering people by not getting the vaccine. People yep. called us manslaughterers for not wearing masks. And that's just short of calling people murderers, by the way. But let's just say the two terms are interchangeable. People have called me a murderer for not wearing a mask. So from the Democratic point of view, not being vaccinated, not wearing a mask, you're, you're murdering people. And that's exactly what the Republicans say about people who want abortion. So let's just say my body, my choice and leave it at that. It's only when it's their body. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So up to a point, technicians can bring down the core temperature of a nuclear reactor by increasing the flows of water used to cool the reactor. But if the temperature goes critical, there's a runaway reaction that cannot be stopped. And I think we're probably seeing the first stages of that. Our study shows that something very similar can happen in a political reactor. The voters are like the nuclear technicians. It's up to us to bring the political temperature back down before it's too late. Well, that's never going to happen. Bonnie, as you pointed out, the media, they thrive on this division. Hate sells. Divisiveness sells. That's why NBC is constantly talking about Trump and the January 6th, quote, insurrection. And that's why Fox News is constantly criticizing Joe Biden and saying positive things about Republicans. Polarization sells. Hate sells. And Americans are buying. We see this very disturbing pattern in which a shock brings people a little bit closer initially. I don't don't remember now if we saw that during the start of the COVID-19 pandemic or not. But if polarization is too extreme, eventually the effects of a shared fate are swamped by the existing divisions and people become divided even on the shock issue. And again, that's COVID-19, whether there was a pandemic or not. I tend to think COVID-19 is obviously real, but it's really no worse than a flu from what I can tell based on the numbers. But it divided people into two horrific camps, both of whom just wanted control one way or another. If Republicans actually meant, you know, it's our body, we should have the right to choose for it, I could be on board with that. But libertarians are the only ones who are actually saying that consistently. And it's not because we want to force Democrats to be libertarians or because we want to force Republicans to be libertarians. It's because, no, we just want to be left alone. We don't want to participate in your little hatred fighting that is leading you into the brink. We just want to stay away from it. They go on. If we reach that point, we cannot cannot unite, even in the face of war, climate change, pandemics, or other challenges to the survival of our society. I would not want to live in a society where I'm 
united with the other citizens of my country because we're at war with another country and I'm united with the people who just happen to be born on the same part of the planet as me. That's mindless, you know, it is. worship. That, that, that's jingoism. That's just nationalism, basically. It's, oh, well, but my I was born here and my country is fighting yours, so screw you and your country. You're evil and I hate you. Mm-hmm. You're absolutely right. That's, that's not a... People should unite in love and not hatred of a thing. But I think this is revealing because... So much of what governments in the his- in history have done is they've created enemies in order to unite the people. And there's pretty good arguments that 9-11 was allowed to happen as a way of uniting the people to justify the invasion of the war of Iraq. And similar things have happened throughout history. Of course, Hitler was notorious for scapegoating people in order to unite the Germans. It doesn't work past a certain point, though. And I think that's hopeful because based on what I can tell, based on the COVID-19 pandemic, we're already past that point where the government can't just create a boogeyman and say, this is the, this is the enemy. We have to unite against the enemy because Republicans and Democrats are too busy fighting each other to fight with that enemy. And that's at least better to me having them fight each other because they hate each other than having them fight people because the government has told them they needed to hate them. We're out of time for tonight. You can join us on our chat server, though. That's chat.freetalklive.com.